listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm Chuck Peters, your host. It's always so good to have you. It just feels like getting together and hanging out with friends, and I'm glad you're here. Because, you know, when you get together with friends, you want to have like a a hot cup of coffee or a a cup of tea, whatever your thing is. I am absolutely freezing today as I sit here in my little home workspace in Tennessee. I've got my hands wrapped around a cup of coffee in my little Starbucks mug with the scooter on the side. The scooter makes it cuter. That It rhymes and it's cool, right? Motorcycles are cooler, but scooters are cuter. So uh, that's a whole other story, but I'm drinking hot coffee. My guest today is, is a really good friend uh, who we've had quite a quite a few really good conversations over the years. Her name is Heidi Hensley. She leads kids ministry at the Shadow Mountain Community Church in the beautiful uh, Southern California. And so while I'm freezing to death, she's like posting pictures on her Instagram and stuff of like the beach and the sunset. And I've got like, it was 70 degrees two days ago and then it snowed and, and it's crazy. I don't understand the weather. Heidi Hensley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Or should I say welcome back to the podcast because you yes. are like a multi-platinum podcast <laughs> guest now. So tell me, what, what what's the weather like where you are today? Um, weather is warm. In fact, it surprised me when you said it snowed there. Uh, we, <laughs> it did, yesterday- like two days ago, three inches <laughs> out of nowhere. Yesterday, it's been, you know, our lovely mid seventies and yesterday was closer to 90. And so we went outside, did some gardening and got some sun and it was great. You get a little sun on your face, a little sun on your shoulders. Yeah. That's how I, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you, you must be peanut butter because I'm totally jelly. How's that? Is that funny? (laughs) I'll take (laughs) that. That's a good, that's a good kidman joke. You guys, you can use that with your kids. We are here uh, with Heidi today, or Heidi's here with us today, listeners, so that we can to actually, Heidi, you know what, it's, although I'm cold, although I am cold as I sit here, it's not that cold really today. Over the weekend, I had the opportunity uh, to travel to uh, Minneapolis, and so I was with uh, with uh, kids ministry leaders from uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin at a conference up there that our friend Penny Reedy hosted. It was three degrees. Three degrees. It's yeah, March. Min- Minneapolis is cold. Oh, I was not prepared for that. I didn't have enough coat. I didn't have the right hat. It was really cold. So Minnesota, Wisconsin, bless. Bless you guys. I don't know how you do it all the time, but bless you for those of you serving in cold places. We love you. Warm hearts. Peace. So anyhow. I digress. Heidi, let's talk about something that is really um, a passion of yours and of mine, and that's creating a culture within our ministries that we can wrap our volunteers into. We, uh, we know we all serve kids and we're here for that, but we lead other leaders and adult leaders need to have a sense of belonging and connection in order to really serve effectively with us in our ministries. I know a lot of people are struggling with refreshing or renewing their volunteer base Mm -hmm. coming back off of COVID. And as I have had conversations with church leaders about this, one of my encouragements to them is let's not just be short-term, short-sighted in terms of we just need to fill an urgent opening that we have to fill, although that may be the case. We do way better when we have a longer-term view or a longer lens 
on the need for volunteers. And we make that something that really becomes a culture that we create within our ministries. Tell us a little bit about your perspective on that. How, how important is it to, to create a culture that is one that is warm and welcoming uh, to volunteers? Yeah, I mean... When you think of culture, you, a lot of people will say, oh, I need to establish a culture. I need to develop a culture. I need to create a culture. The reality is you have one. Um, the question is what kind? And for many people, it is a culture of um, just a task list. Your ministry might feel like everybody shows up and maybe they get it done, but it doesn't have that warm feeling. It doesn't have that connectiveness. Um, so figuring out what you are starting with is probably the most important thing you can do to figure out what you're dealing with. It will also show you your weak points. Is your weak point community? Is your weak point grace? Is your weak point um, inclusion? So whatever it is, um, establishing where you're beginning. I think the importance of it is your the culture is really your number one recruiting tool. Um, and that can either work with you or against you. So if you have a place that people are going because they are obligated, because they feel like I signed up for this, I should probably do it. Um, that's not a great re recruiting tool. No, it's um, not. <laughs> but if I have a place that I feel like I am included, that I belong, this is my family. And we really find this to be super important in larger churches because in a larger church, it's easier to be, you know, invisible. And sure. so. The ability to understand that in a larger church, for many, that children's ministry team kind of is your community. Hmm. And that's where you're seen. That's where you're known. That's where you're prayed over um, among friends and laying on of hands, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, so if you don't have that, you're you're kind of swimming upstream when it comes to re recruiting some new volunteers. Hmm. Well, we've had, I think, as, as the church... Uh, our, our past history in recruiting for, especially in kids ministry, has been to recruit with out of need and obligation. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that word obligation. That's and so I, I say need and obligation spell N O. That's a no. When when we uh, we manipulate people, we bribe mm -hmm. people, we uh, we hound them. Um, begging is always part of that play. Uh, there's we tend to do it seasonally. Like we recruit, we have the big push, like the Christian radio station that has the, <laughs> the drive week where everybody, and you always turn the channel that week, right? You listen to something yep. else um, because when they're doing the pledge drive, you either feel guilty for not giving or, or uh, it just, it just feels like it's a week of interruption. When we yeah. recruit that way, when we do it one week a year and when we lead with the need and, and pressure people out of obligation, we're not going to get the quality of people that we want, but also we're we're not really creating a, a, an environment where people want to be or where they feel any sense of ownership whatsoever. So That's you right. mentioned this idea of of connecting people, uh, mm -hmm. and, and I think we need to change our mindset about how we recruit and and what we're bringing people into. And that idea of instead of just saying we have a job we need someone to do, to mm -hmm. say we want to invite you to become a member of our team and serve yes. with us in this group and create that sense that culture of uh, one of the words that you used was community. Mm -hmm. And you've had, you have, you've taught a seminar on this recently uh, down in Orlando, another warm place at CPC. <laughs> you, you had taught a, a session on this where you had laid out um, three F's and a C 
which will <laughs> maybe we can come up with a fourth F before we're done about about ways that you might as you evaluate your culture, things you might look at, and strategies you might use to build that strong culture. So take us there first. Tell us a little bit about your what led you to this. You you've walked into cultures before where you've mm-hmm. had to assess a culture. How do you go about even starting off to to assess where you are? Well, I mean, if you are a new staff member, you you have kind of an unfair advantage to the rest of us children's pastors um, because you are the new thing in the room. You're the new person in the room. And it is expected that you're obviously going to look around and assess the situation. If you have been where you are for 20, 30 years, that might feel odd. Um, first of all, if you've been there 20, 30 years, hopefully you're on top of this. <clears throat> if you've been there two years, that again might feel odd. But I think communication, open, openly communicating that, you know, we're in a season of um, assessment and building and improvement. People begin to understand those things. So stepping in where I stepped in, um, I've been at Shadow Mountain for five years and I stepped into a ministry where the prior leader to me had stepped out and stepped out in a really poor way. Um, that's that's kind of open information. I'm not sharing anything that's newsworthy with you. Um, but they had stepped out in a way where they had broken the trust of a lot of leaders, pretty much every volunteer. Um, the families were untrusting. And it was this it was just this situation that needed repair um, that felt like a disadvantage. Until I stepped in and started assessing the situation, trying to figure out why, why. Uh, we were hemorrhaging volunteers while we were hemorrhaging families. Um, kids and families weren't even coming when I arrived. And so I sat down and had a round table and invited everybody. There was zero script. It was for an hour. We're going to talk and let's mm-hmm. see if we can get on the same page. And I quickly learned that, that what we were lacking was faith and leadership and a complete um, culture of distrust. And so I knew that there were some things that I needed to engage. Now, you might walk into something that extreme. You might walk into something way less where you're going, okay, people just feel like it's an obligation. Whatever it is, having that moment that you establish, whether it's walking around and doing a self-assessment or actually having a roundtable, you're going to find a way to include some people. So that's always the first step is is that communication piece. I know that doesn't start with an F, but but, but <laughs> listening though that honestly that's rather than going in and talking, one of the wisest things we can do is to really observe and to listen yes. and gather information. So we really know what we're working with. Absolutely, yeah. and that's that's what my goal was that day. I was hoping that you know I wasn't there to find out what the scoop was or what the dirt was on the on the prior leadership. It was more so to tell me how how you fit in this equation and how can I make this situation better for you? And I sat and listened for an hour and volunteers basically in so many words told me just that, that they had not been heard, that they had shared concerns, you know, all these different things. And so I usually like to bring the word faith in because I think faith in ministry goes a whole bunch of ways. Um, Faith can be that your faith in your leadership, your faith in your leaders. But obviously what we do is faith based. Um, there is a level of faith that comes around building a team that is centered around Christ and having our eyes pointed in the right direction that builds faith in one another. And I mean, we fail constantly 
Um, I've watched in, in different consultations over the years where I step into a team and it feels very corporate. And the thing that they have forgotten is the thing that they're there to share with the kids. And so keeping your eyes focused on Christ, making sure you're praying with your leaders, praying with your volunteers, it's not just going to build your your own faith journey. It's going to build your faith in one another. And we know that that, that is one of the the main things that brings unity on our teams. So, so as you talk about the idea, and let's let's just clarify that for the listeners, ways that we can actively or steps that we can take, strategies we can use to create a sense of oneness, of unity, and of mm-hmm. belonging for the members of your team. The first one that you want to recommend we lean in on is faith. It yeah. all starts there. Absolutely. So, and part of that is is within that culture, that context of faith. This, um, this uh, faith, our 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 shared faith is what brings us together as brothers and sisters. It's what motivates us to serve. We do that mm-hmm. because of our faith, um, and and it's something that that uh, it doesn't just bring us together, but it binds us together when yeah. we're able to interact together in a way where we can encourage one another and pray for one another, support one another, and and celebrate wins together a lot of that comes out of that shared uh that shared faith you also mentioned the yeah. word trust the, uh, trust yes. is a word that has been really important to me lately so over the last couple years i have uh i have really been drawn and i often write these letters on things to to tri trust and respect equal influence and so everybody wants to be an influencer. That's what a lot of kids yeah. want to be, right? What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, an influencer on YouTube or whatever, Instagram. We, we're all influencers. Just like you said, we all have a culture. But, uh, but really, we can't truly have influence with kids or the people we lead unless we first do some hard work to gain trust and earn yes. respect. And those things take time. Yep. They take time. And it's, it's in the beginning, I feel like it's not a natural thing to build. Um, because usually you're going out of a way, you're being a little bit more vulnerable, you're overly communicating. And so it is work to achieve them. But once you achieve them, um, it, it becomes part of, part of your culture. It continues on and, and definitely grows leaders for the best. Hmm. Okay. So kicking it off with faith, where do you want to go next? Do you want to go to an F or do you want to go to your C? Let's go to the C because I feel right, like the C is it. what launches the other two. So yeah. the C that I use, obviously, um, in that session is community. Um, community. I mentioned, I mentioned being part of a large church. So our church is, is very large and we had a leader. Actually, he was the leader at the round table when I arrived who stood there and had the most to say. He stood up. He had been very wounded by what had taken place. He, was very distrusting. And over time I had, um, what my leader would tell me, I had won him over. Um, Mm. basically I had done that TRI system. I had, I had earned his trust. I had earned his respect, all of those things. And he could see that I was there for the right reasons. Mr. Pete and I became very good friends. And about two years into my leadership there, Mr. Pete was diagnosed with a really rare form of very aggressive cancer. And, you know, in a church where there's 9,000 people there on Sunday, you know, who, who understands Mr. Pete, who understands what he's going through. Um, so having him 
arrive to our huddles in the morning and just have a having a moment to give us an update on, you know, how's he feeling? How's his pain? How is this emotionally and spiritually affecting him? Those are things that we actually discussed in our little 10 minute pre-service huddle. And week after week, um, we prayed over him the first time when he told us he had been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And every week when he came, I would give him the option, Mr. Pete, you know that we love to pray for you. We know that we love to pray with you. I don't want you to feel like this is the center of everything you're experiencing. And, and he actually said in that huddle, he said, you know, this is the place where I am prayed for. And Mm. it, it was a very clear moment that, especially again in a large church, and I'm sure the same is true in a smaller church. It is. This is where you're seen. These are the people who know who you are. And the reason that that was evident there in those huddles is because we had taken time to build a space where we knew who your kids were. We mm-hmm. were praying for you. We were praying with you. We asked when your birthday was. We asked when your anniversary was. And how was your kid that just signed up for the military? These were the places that you were intimately known. Um, in church, a lot of times we are so focused on the things that we have to do that we fail to see the people who are doing them. Mm-hmm. And that ability to create a space where people were intimately known um, by one another is truly where that community piece comes from. And we've watched it grow. Well, and that doesn't happen by accident. That right because no. we can just say, well, if we're small, we you just have community, you just know each other. Yeah. That's not true. And and whether you are small, medium, large, or whatever mm-hmm. you are, this has to happen. This is part of intentionally creating that environment, right? We need to have we, we've got to create the right context for those sorts of engagements to happen. Mr. Pete could have served there and felt isolated within the kids' team. And there are probably a lot of people on a lot of kids' teams who do feel isolated or they don't feel known. So how do you begin to create that part of the culture? Because that, like you said, Heidi, everything else kind of hinges off of this. Everything else hinges off of this. This is the thing, you know, somebody used the term when I was early in kids' ministry, the secret sauce, if you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is that secret sauce piece. Um, and it is, it's very intentional. We started with a huddle. Um, actually, I started with that round table. And you you probably understand this and each person listening understands and knows this. There are those two or three people in your ministry that you would call rock star people. Mm-hmm. They, they need no encouragement. They need nothing. They just have this drive. They show up, they do everything they do with excellence. They're on time. Much like a classroom with a child who is that rock star student, a lot of places and people, we we put so much attention on them that everybody else becomes a little invisible. Mm-hmm. And the ability to not do that, the ability to recognize this person for being that rock star volunteer, also recognize the person who might be a little more timid. They're not the person who wants to be up front leading worship. But man, if you really pay attention, they're sitting in a corner having a conversation with a kid that would terrify you to have. So understanding that each person's values, their gifts, they bring so much to the table, whether they are an upfront person or a behind the scenes person and making them feel like they're not just part of a team. They are a valuable part of the team. Mm -hmm. Everybody is contributing and much like the body of Christ, you know, the hand can't do without the other. So understanding that we're all just designed and made a little bit different and how much we bring to it. That is probably one of the biggest things that we have used to develop this. 
tell me, tell me somebody who prays with children and loves to pray with children. It's not always who, who leads an amazing worship set. Um, so identifying those things and, and outside of ourselves, valuing them is, is one of those key components. And a lot of times when, when an adult leader comes to serve in kids ministry, they're, they're, they're missing out on doing something else, right? They're, they're not in big church or they're not in their adult Sunday school class, or they're not in a small group study at that time. And so if they leave a place where they find connection to come and serve in a context where they don't have connection, that's not going to be something that is replenishing for them and not something that they're going to want to be drawn to stick with over the long haul. But if we can create connection, if we can build yes. belonging so they feel not only seen and known, but but valued and loved and connected with other people, that can happen when we serve side by side in a way that is so much deeper and stronger than if we just huddle around and have empty conversation around coffee in, uh, in say, a small group that's not led with intentionality. Serving together yeah. is really a great way to create strong community. And it's amazing how that 10-minute, you know, I keep referencing this huddle time. Yeah. So before, we have three services. Before each service, we huddle for 10 minutes. And the, the team serving at that service, so it may not be all three service teams, it's the team serving at that service. We come together and we pray together. Now, that takes a little research on my part and my team's part, because the reality is we could circle up around that Keurig and some snacks and have some, you know, very light, surfacy, meaningless conversation, pray together for the kids, which is valuable yes. and go out and serve. But the reality is we've done our homework. I know whose birthday it is that week. I know what's going on in the life of my volunteers. Um, Facebook is not, I'm not a social media person per se, in the sense that I don't enjoy it because it's social media. I enjoy it because I'm learning about the people who serve in our ministry and the people I get to interact with. And so I take the time to, you know, hop on and look around. I know whose kid got engaged and all of those things. So it's not always, you know, the Mr. Pete story uh, is, is a little heavy because, you know, it's a heavy story, but, but sometimes it is just celebrating silliness too. It might be that somebody got, you know, a piece of equipment to work and they'd been posting things and just identifying that, hey, you're seen in lots of different ways and and we get to applaud you. We get to we had a we recently had a graduate that finished his master's degree. It only took him seven years. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, playing the graduation music as he walked into the room and stuff like that. Those are the things that go. These are my people. And that's kind of what you want them to leave thinking. So that 10-minute huddle is very intentional. It's not just a time around donuts. And that's a really practical tip. So so leaders, as you listen, if you don't have a habit, if you don't have a practice of huddling your leaders, even mm-hmm. if it's just a handful of them, even if it's just two or three of you, to look each other in the eye and circle up and have that little huddle. I love the word huddle. So yeah. I, I, it, it reminds me of football, you know, where, where before the play – we circle up. It's just what yep. the team does. And there's rarely a play on a football field where there's that's not started with a huddle. Why, why should we not do that in ministry? We look each other in the eye. We say, here's what's going to happen. Everybody ready? Let's go, right? And then yeah. when we score, we all celebrate together because we're yep. all a part of the win, no matter where it happens. Okay, so faith, we led with. Community, although it doesn't start with an F, we'll, we'll let that go. <laughs> you said you sometimes use the word family. So we want your community to feel like family. That'll make me yes. feel better so that it all starts with 
the same letter. And then you've already alluded to this one. You need to fun. have an element of fun. Yes. Yes. Um, I like to have fun. Um, I think, I think your, your average kids ministry leader is a fun person. Because if you're not, I, I'm questioning if you're in the right spot. Yeah. Some, honestly, <laughs> when I go through my friends list, and I have a lot of fun friends because I like mm-hmm. I like fun too, and yeah. I enjoy fun people. Kids leaders are just fun. If you're if you are yeah. working with kids, you're gonna have an either you're either gonna have an element of fun or you're gonna be completely doing it out of obligation and probably not have any fun at all. Because but you're just committed. You're just there. We yes. it's okay to lighten up, right? We need to, we need to loosen up and lighten up to have fun because kids respond well to that. Yes. So kids kids definitely respond well to that. Um, there, I don't know who said it. I'm sure I read it in a book or saw it on, you know, very true internet quote, but <laughs> the, the idea that if you want to bond with a child, let them make you laugh. And mm. if you've never, like one of the things that my, my kids in ministry know that I love is I love jokes. I love dad jokes. I love just silly jokes. And so I have several kids who will come every Sunday and they tell me a joke, but I don't laugh if I don't think it's not funny. And they know that. And so the fact that they can make me laugh um, is a bonding point to us. There's something about that that, I don't know, I, I think laughter is what joy sounds like. And so it's one of those things that I want to hear in the halls of our ministry. And that's not just about the kids. Right. It's definitely not about the, I mean, the reality is, if the adults don't have it, the kids aren't going to have it. So mm-hmm. we we need it to exist in both places. As part of your culture, right? You're, As part you, are of you our culture. A culture. That's fun. And it starts with yes. your leaders. Yes. And so for us, we use a lot of minute to win it games. And again, in that 10 minute huddle, um, we don't do all of this every single time. But if we're coming up on April Fool's, you better believe there's going to be something in that huddle room that is just funny or silly or whatever it is. Um, whether we are doing a training, um, especially if we're doing a training, I don't want the trainings that we do to feel like a bore. And so we do stage games. We do everything we would do with kids because the reality is I need these adults to show kids that having faith, being part of the you know body of Christ and serving, that it is fun. Um, I think part of this is in my DNA because I grew up under a kindergarten teacher and my mom made everything that we did fun. House cleaning. It was fun. And so it it really is that Mary Poppins mentality that everything can genuinely be a good time. I think the other reason for that is when you can cause laughter, I believe that that's a bonding point. Um, mm-hmm. Laughter is it. You can release stress. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, psychological things that happen when you laugh. And yeah. so when you can get adults laughing together, you have given them something that is um, in common among them. It has nothing to do with education, nothing to do with anything else, talent, but you have given them a bond. And mm. so we, we try to we try to have that around pretty often. So trainings, um, huddle time, just in our building, in our rooms, we build fun into just about everything we do. And people are drawn to that. You know, who, who yeah. wants to go join something that is not fun? 
Yes. <laughs> right? I'm going to look yes. for something that is really boring and sign up for that. But when yes. you are with people who are fun, doing a, a serving in a way that's fun to do mm-hmm. something that is that's fun to do with a fun group, you're drawn to want to be there, right? Where dr- people are yes. drawn to passion and they're drawn to joy. And enthusiasm is one of the most contagious things you can have. That's I I as a person who who uh, enjoys being an enthusiast, I'm a very enthusiastic person. <laughs> I love enthusiastic people. I want to be around them. And part of that is just the ability to smile and laugh and just have a good time together. That is contagious and people will want to be a part of it for sure. Okay. I totally so we agree. have faith. We have community slash family. And then we have fun. And there's another there's another one you have on here, which I'm also really drawn to. And it kind of makes me want to come and volunteer already. And you haven't talked about it. What's your last F, Heidi? The last F is food. Yeah, it is. Um, I love to tell people that if you read all of the important conversations in the Bible that Jesus had, he was usually feeding someone as well. Now, is that true for all of them? No, obviously. But many of the very important conversations that were being had, they were being done around food. And I think that there is there's connection to that. I think that I think Jesus showed us that food brings connection when we break bread with one another, when we share a meal with one another. Now, some of the things that you feed your volunteers may not qualify as a meal, and that's totally fine. But there's something about having the food there. For us, the food does a couple things. First of all, I'm asking people to come give their time. I'm asking them to, like you said, take away from something else that maybe they had been doing in order to serve with us. Uh, many times I'm asking them to be there early and being there early, especially we have we have two volunteers, their husband and wife team that serve in first grade. They have five children and they serve at the 9 a.m. service, which means I need them on my campus no later than 8.15 because at 8.30, we have a huddle. One of the ways that I can show them my gratitude and that their value is to go, you know what, I need you here early, but it's okay. I'm gonna feed you breakfast. And so we have we have breakfast foods out. Now there's not a bacon egg, you know, scramble happening, but there there is fruit and, you know, muffins and and stuff like that. Mm. And something that they can get there and it's like, okay, if I can get up, I can get my kids ready, I can have my lesson ready to go and arrive. At least that's the one thing that's taken off my plate. And not only that, kids usually look forward to it too. So when when we feed our volunteers in that huddle, their children are also welcome in that huddle. There's a couple reasons for that. I think kids of staff, church staff, and kids of people who serve religiously, they are usually the kids that are most likely to get bent out of shape by it because they don't understand the why behind their parents' commitment yet. Mm-hmm. So if I can if I can invite them around that table, if I can let them have a seat at that table, they might just be a fly on the wall, but they get to see their parents laughing with other volunteers and being part of that community and eating. And they're also getting, you know, the donut that none of the other kids got, you know, stuff like that. You're going to bridge a gap for those kids and begin to teach them that serving actually is a great way to be part of the church. Um, But food, whether we are doing, again, a training, whether we're doing a huddle, uh, we just had our coordinator meeting for our summer program. And we're asking a lot of these people, we bring in some catered food. Um, Food will take you many, many places. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, I think it really will, and it really does. We, um, one of my favorite uh, sort of food kind of stories is when we. Uh, so we have two sons who are now sixteen and thirteen who came to us through international adoption from Ethiopia. Right? When we brought our boys home and we were integrating them into our family, we we had a little strategy which I think is really smart, and that is that mom gives you sweet things. And so my wife, Chris, she had the little candy jar, a little mm-hmm. jar of gumballs or a jar of candy. And if and if the boys asked mom, she would give them something sweet. And that helped build bonding and attachment. And it is and an association of things that are yummy and sweet and good come from, from mom. It's the same like in our that. ministries, right? When When you as a leader give your other leaders sweet treats – or delicious, mm-hmm. yummy things, they associate good th- good feelings with you, good thoughts with yeah. you. So let you be the one who gives them the donut or gives them the treat, or, <laughs> or at least is, gets a little bit of a uh, little bit of cred for for providing those things. It's a great part of culture because it's true. When we can make yeah. people laugh, when they feel that they're known and that they belong and someone cares, when they're seen. And when they're giving little treats, those things all help to uh, to grow their affections for for you and for your church and uh, and for the ministry you do. That's right. That's right. Hundred percent. Heidi, thank you for sharing these things with us. Um, leaders, c- work on that culture, building the culture of your team uh, that includes all of these things, faith, community, fun, food, uh, and of course, uh, one of service that is worthwhile where they can, they, where they feel like they belong to something that's bigger than them, where they're not serving out of need and obligation, but where it is truly a joy to serve uh, because serving is something that should be filled with joy. Heidi Hensley, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always fun. It is always fun. And so let's do it again real, real soon. Listeners, thank you for being with us today. We hope that it's always fun for you too, because we want you to have really good feelings about the podcast. Thanks for listening today. Go get something sweet and uh, and you can, uh, uh, that's on me. Get a donut. It's okay. It's on Chuck. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you back next time for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. 